You're listening to Tim Talks, Taking Interest in Ministry, a conversation between two great friends with over 70 years of ministry between them. Ministering on opposite sides of the border, Dr. Al Stone is the General Director of Bearing Precious Seed Canada and Pastor Emeritus of the Bible Baptist Church in St. Thomas, Ontario, Canada, while Pastor Dan Wolven pastors the North Columbus Baptist Church in Columbus, Ohio. Listen now as Al and Dan review and relate their experiences in hopes of helping others who are taking an interest in ministry. Now, here is Tim Talks. Welcome to Tim Talks. Well, with me today is not Brother Wolven, and I am thrilled because beside me today is my lovely, lovely wife. Hello, everyone. She's back. People have been asking, where are the wives? Where are the wives? Well, here she is back, live and in person. How are you doing? Very good, thank you. And what have you been up to while I've been gone for the whole year? Oh, I've just been having lots of fun. <laughs> party, party. <laughs> <laughs> really? What kind of party have you been having? Oh, you know. <laughs> I really can't share that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And that leads in today's, today's topic, why divorce is okay sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Oh, man. This is why we get along so good. We both have such a good sense of humor. If I could keep my wife awake for the <laughs> podcast here. I'm sorry. She's, she's yawning. She's yawning away while I try to get this thing going here. <laughs> you can see why we don't have our wives on much because they are so hard to work with sometimes. It's like animals. <laughs> yeah, you're not kidding. Well, Brother Wolven and Denise uh, could not be with us. We couldn't be with them. Our schedules have conflicted. And so we decided to do something different. Uh, Dan and Denise are together. We're together. And uh, we have no idea what they're doing. They have no idea what we are doing. And Dan and I never have any idea of what we are doing when we are together. So this should be quite interesting. So here's, here's what I want to discuss today. I want to discuss what women need from men and men need from women as you go through the stages of life. And we're going to start, we have a lot of teenagers that listen. And so I want you to go back to those teenage years. It was only like five years ago for you. Mm -hmm. Teenage years. And tell me what you were looking for in a, a man, a young man, when you finally got to that place where you thought, I need to start looking for a man that would be a suitable husband. What were you looking for? Um, a really nice car. <laughs> Strike one for Al Stone. <laughs> I had a truck with no gas gauge. No, you had a Volkswagen well, Rabbit. Yeah, I you did. had a Volkswagen Rabbit that um, we pushed more than he drove. Yeah, <laughs> the door blew off one time when I was going to Cleveland. The muffler fell off. It I broke said, down. I said that's why you get such good gas mileage because we push it so much. <laughs> yeah, you're not kidding. You're not kidding. We did. That thing was a beast. And yet I married him. Yes, you did. <laughs> without a nice car. And she did date a guy with a really nice car for a while. We don't like to talk about it because he was a complete loser. But he had a Corvette. <laughs> mm -hmm. And he was much older than my wife. And she is now very sorry and <laughs> repentant In of that. In my shallow days. <laughs> You're not kidding. Shallow. <laughs> you went right down to the baby pool and for that one. Wow. What were you looking for in a guy? Wow, that was a long time ago. Um, well, I would say that at the time, I really did feel like I, I wanted to, you know, please the Lord and I wanted to find out what God's will was and everything. So I feel like I was looking for a guy that I felt had spirituality to him that it wasn't phony but he genuinely 
wanted to walk with the Lord and grow in the Lord and serve the Lord and be a spiritual leader. I think those are all things I looked for. Yeah. I, I made a list before I met you of 10 things that I was looking for in a girl that would be able to serve with me in ministry. I knew I wanted to be in ministry. And obviously the first thing was I wanted a girl that loved the Lord. I think we all say that. But could I just be honest for a moment and say that a lot of people say that, but that's not the most important thing sometimes. I think for a guy, looks is sometimes the most important thing. What would it be for girls? Mm. You've told me that guys with the big muscles and stuff, that doesn't really matter. It didn't matter to you anyways. And that's why I got the job, because obviously the flabbo lanch was better than the, than the muscle beach guy. Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I mean, you have to be attracted to the person. But I do think that, yeah, to me, somebody that was fun and made me laugh and I could really be myself with. I think that happens a lot of times. You try to change yourself to be what you think the person you're dating wants you to be. And I wanted somebody that I could completely be myself with because I thought, I don't want to have to be phony the rest of my life. That would be a lot of work. So (laughs) I think just somebody that I felt comfortable with that I could be myself. Yeah, and you surely did that because you had a metabolism that wouldn't quit. (laughs) And she was a cheerleader and worked on a bus route and worked and all that kind of stuff. And you just, man, you... You could you could eat pretty good, and we went out to eat one time, and uh, my wife was the first girl that I ever went out with that said, "Hey, are you going to finish that?" And you were so skinny. I was cursed with my father's appetite. You were, but you were so skinny, you could burn it off so good. And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, you can have it." So she had no problem saying that, and uh, I thought, That's "Wow, terrible." I know, but I thought, "Wow, she's completely honest here." And. And uh, I wanted it, oh but I gave it to goodness. you. Yeah, I gave it to you because I loved you. Yeah, I slightly loved you. embarrassed right now. That's all right. Don't be, because those were good days. Um, and of course, we had different different uh, points of love in our life. And I knew almost immediately that I loved you and wanted to marry you, and had yes. no question. Yes. You were a little more hesitant. Yeah. Well, I think in some ways, I think it's always a little bit harder for the girl. Because the man, basically for the rest of life, your life, he's going to be the leader. So he's going to decide where God wants you to be and where you're going to live and all these different things. And I think as the girl, you realize when I make this decision to marry somebody, I'm kind of turning all that over to him. So I'm going to have to trust this guy that he's walking with the Lord and making all these big life-changing decisions. So I think it's a little tougher for a girl to, to say, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm all in. Because there's a lot more to think about. Well, we have to we have to uh, subject ourselves to some things too. As men, we have to think about some things, you know. But uh, nah. <laughs> okay, moving on to our next point. <laughs> they've got it. They've got it so easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, easy. That's the one. Yeah, we don't have to worry about taking care of you and supplying for you and protecting you and making you feel loved and all that. We don't have to worry about blah, that. Blah blah blah. <laughs> Where's Dan Wolven? Where's Dan? He has no backup. I don't. I got no wingman on this one. Normally when we have the four of us, I got at least some some backup there. So so let me ask you this. How many how many guys did you date before me? Too many. 
That would equal one. <laughs> no, you dated a good number of guys. How many guys seriously? Like one date or like? No, like, oh. like dated that you'd say was a boyfriend. Okay, probably maybe six. Six? Yeah. I don't know about six. <laughs> okay, one. I had I had seven. <laughs> I had seven. And they were all hot babes, too. Every last one of them. No, I only had I had about four. I was a I was a one woman kind of guy. If I was interested in somebody, I was pretty true blue to them. Were you true blue? Absolutely. You are not. <laughs> as soon as the next I shiny am car not looking good on this. <laughs> as soon as the what are these called? Episode podcast. Podcast. I'm not looking good on this. You episode. look great. You look great. <laughs> you may not sound good, but you I look good. I promise, I'm mate. a really nice person. You are. You're awesome. But that's the way it was. That's just the way it was. You're very popular. You're a beautiful girl. You had a big church. And I was um, a low-life, ugly slug in a small town, so I didn't have much opportunity. So. And I ate all your food. And you ate all my food. <laughs> Not all, just that one time. I learned after that, eat it all. <laughs> That's why he eats so fast to this That's, day. You're wants, not kidding. He wants to make sure I don't reach over and get his food. That's right. <laughs> so the experience of dating, obviously, we come from a different time period. Mm-hmm. Almost a different planet today. Yes. Back in our day, we we dating was really just an opportunity to go out and have some fun. Right. Right. It wasn't real serious. It wasn't for me anyways. Right. And it was just the opportunity to have, you know, a female companionship more than anything. And it was like practice for marriage. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But I, I knew all the girls that I dated, I there wasn't one that I thought, this is the girl I'm going to marry until I met you. And then I knew this is the girl. Yeah. Would you I say would, that? I would say the same thing. Okay. Yeah. And I do I do think like um yeah. I, I mean I've said that to kids before. I'm like, anybody you date before the person God has for you is kind of just you know warm up. Yeah. You're having fun and stuff, but I think yeah, you should always be keeping in mind like I'm looking for the person God wants for me, not just somebody that oh, they're nice and I have fun with them. So I think this is a good one to settle for i don't think that should ever be our mentality i think too that you have to as you go through that stage you're kind of learning what's really important and what's not Mm -hmm. it's kind of experimental that way and you find very quickly that what's important are the values of those that you want to marry right and and i think everybody's different in that sense too like i didn't i didn't know specifically like I grew up in the ministry, but I didn't necessarily feel called to the full-time ministry. So I wasn't one of those girls that thought, I've got to marry a pastor or I've got to marry somebody, you know, in the ministry full-time because I feel called to that. I didn't. But when I knew that you were God's choice for me, then that meant, yeah, I am called to the ministry because God chose a man for me that's going into the ministry. So, yeah, I think yeah. people feel differently that way sometimes. So you had dated enough guys that when we met, you told me, you said, please don't tell me you love me right away. Yes. You said, I too many guys have done that, and they said, you're God's will for me, and I believe we should get married. You had a couple guys yeah, that said that, I don't, right? I, I think sometimes people are so flippant with that, you know? You, date, you go out with somebody three times, and, oh, I love you, and I think you're God's will for me, and I'm like, just, you know, don't don't say that. Like, I don't think you should say that to every person you go out with. And I think as a girl, don't think that about every person you go out with if you don't know. I, w- I don't want to, you know, I was all those people. I just want to say I love you to everybody I date. I, I wanted to 
be sure that this is something serious and I do believe this is God's will. And, and I wanted him to feel the same way. I didn't just want it to be something that was said flippantly, you know, like we'd said to the other, other people that we dated. I want it to be, you know, we know this means something if we say this. Yeah. And so I knew right away. And I, I couldn't help it. I, I waited a few, maybe months. But I said, I love you. And you said, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. And then I said, I love you. And she would say, I like you. Yeah. You said like first. Like, yes. yes. I like you, which was a couple months of that, mm-hmm. which was agony. Because when you're saying, I love you, you're giving your heart to somebody. And she says, yeah, I like you too. That's that was great. That was that was really nice. But then you did go to Loke. Yes. Which for our listeners means That's between like and love. Yeah. <laughs> You're halfway there. Did you make that up? Was that original? I think so. I think it I was. Don't know, yeah. I I'd never heard it before. Yeah. And I hope I never hear it again. You should coin that phrase. You should. Loke. <laughs> In between like and love. And then that great day. Cedar Point. Mm-hmm. We still have a plaque. We have the plaque. Was it 1983 or 5? 84. 84. And weirdly enough, it was on our son's future birthday. It was. July 5th. And we were at Cedar Point, and I said, hey, I just want you to know I love you. And she turned to me and said, I love you too. And I said, are you saying what I think you're saying? And she said, yes. I said, you're telling me you'll marry me. And she said, buy me a corn dog, and I'll think about it. Give me the rest of your corn dog. You give me your corn dog, your Dixie dog, as we call it in Canada. I will marry you. So, no. but uh, And that was it. And we were engaged not long after that. The next month. Yeah. So that's what happened. So then we get married. What what changed as far as your needs or desires for you from me when we got engaged Mm -hmm. and then married? I, for me, I really needed to know I could trust you and trust your judgment. And I think that's one of those things that comes with time. You know, as you make decisions, and I'd see that you made a decision that you'd, you know, spent time praying about, and I could see it play out that it was God's will and God's intention. And and the more and more I saw that happen, the more my trust in you built. And I think it was really important for me to see that, where if I would have seen you make bad choices and I would have realized, well, he said he prayed about that, but obviously he didn't. I think that would have really damaged the trust I had for you. So I think that was something I really needed at the beginning. I needed to know I could trust you, that you had our you know, best interest in heart, and that you were always seeking God's will before you made decisions for us as a couple. That was a really big deal for me. Yeah. And I say for me in our engagement, I just needed to know that you really had given your whole heart to me. And I I couldn't have stood breaking up or, you know, breaking that engagement would have crushed me. Mm-hmm. And so I needed to know that. And then I needed to know that you were going to be supportive in the ministry. And to be honest, when we first started out, I was working at the Cleveland Baptist Church, and I was on staff. But I told Ruthie that, you know, I was going back to Canada someday, and she had to be ready for that. And I don't think you were really, I don't think you really thought that was going to happen, did you? No, probably not. I think that 
you know, we took over that college career class and it was going so great that I thought, well, why would we do anything else? This is God's blessing it and it's going so wonderful and why would we ever give that up? So I think I kind of thought that. And I, I think too, like, you can convince yourself, you know, that, oh yeah, I'll be ready to do that when the time comes. But mentally maybe, but then when it actually comes time for you to make a move or change ministry or something like that, it it's kind of a different story. It's a little bit tougher than you think sometimes. Yeah. You did well, though. I got to say, you never really showed, until we got here, you never really showed <laughs> any uh, restriction on that or restraint. And I really appreciate you for that. That's Thank awesome. You. And that was a great help to me because I know there were some days of tears and question and I I came to Ruthie's dad and Dr. Thompson and said, hey, God's calling me back to Canada. He wasn't very happy about that. He thought we'd stay too. I think he thought we'd stay. Mm-hmm. And um, But I reminded him that God had called him to Cleveland, even against his pastor's advice. And I told him, I said, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to reject my pastor's advice and I've got to go home. And I told him when I started there that I was going home. And so we come to Canada and begin a new phase of life. And it was it was tricky. In the beginning, it was tricky. That was tough. We didn't have, a, we didn't have anybody here. We had, didn't have any family around. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a few people in the church, and some of those that had thought they loved us and really wanted us to be here decided that they didn't love me so much and didn't really want me to be here. And that was tough. That was yeah. tough. Yep. So let's move now into the next stage with kids. We're having kids now. Kayla comes along uh, five years after we were married. Mm-hmm. And what what changes then? What do you need then from me? I think I've I've read that quote many times. The greatest gift a father can give his children is to love their mother. But I almost feel the same way. The greatest gift you could give me was for me to know you loved our kids. And that that was huge to me, to know that you loved our kids and wanted to spend time with them and wanted to be the best dad that you could be. I think at that stage of life, that was critical to me. I just really needed to know that you were all in as a dad and that you wanted to lead our family spiritually and, and you know, those kind of things. That was huge for me. I think one of the things that was tough for me was when you first get married, and I had my wife all to myself for five years. We did ministry together. We did family time together, you know, everything. And then kids come along, and as a husband, I kind of lost you for a little bit. Um, because you had to devote time to the kids. Um, not much sleep those first few months or year. Um, you know, the baby needs a lot, requires a lot. And as a man, you kind of get set, not aside, but in a second priority. And rightfully so. I mean, that baby can't live without you. But as a man, that was a little tricky. We had some conversations during those times, too. Yeah. And I remember coming and saying, hey, I need some time, too. And and you're great about that. You're very gracious about that. But that's I think a lot of ladies don't understand that, that you're so enthralled with that child. And, you know, then the next one comes along and the third one comes along and now your hands are full and our ministry is really going. And how did we how did we stay together and um, keep connected during that time? Hmm. <laughs> As I was gonna say, I do think that's that's really important, whether you're in the ministry or whatever kind of job you have. Right. I think it's important to keep a balance, you know, um, make sure that you're not, I mean, you have to be dedicated to your ministry or your job, whatever your job is, but make sure at the same time that you're just as dedicated when you get home. Um, 
I understand it's easy sometimes to come home at the end of the day and be like, I'm so tired and I just want to sit down. But then to remember your wife has been with the kids all day and she's also tired and she needs you to now, you know, team up with her and, and work together. And, and so I think it's really important to try and keep that balance. And I mean, we probably didn't do that as well as we should have a lot of times, but I think you just really have to work together, be a team. Don't, don't, you know, fight against each other, but remember you're a team and work at that thing together. I think if there was ever a time that we lacked communication it was probably that time. Yes. I think that was, that was a hardship. Mm-hmm. And I was struggling to be the head of our home, the head of our church, you know, a leader in the movement in Canada for independent Baptists. And I struggled sometimes with that. And there was one time we had, we had a really serious discussion because I was trying to run my family like the church and trying to run the church like the movement. And I really struggled in that time. Yeah. That was tough. Mm-hmm. That was tough. Yeah. What, did you, what did you do in that time for me? Hmm. I remember praying a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and just... You yeah, spoke, you I mean, spoke pretty plainly. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, we had I, some conversations where you just told me the way it was. Yeah. And I, I think, I think that is important. Like, you know, try to do it kindly. But I think when you see, uh, as a, as a wife, if you see your husband going down a path that you think is going to be harmful either to your family or to the ministry or your relationship, you need to speak up about that. I think that it's important to say, honey, you know what, I understand that, you know, you feel like you want to put all your time in here, but you need to realize our family is struggling right now and I need more time from you. And again, there, there's a balance there because you can go too far the other way too. You can neglect your ministry because you're trying to always, you know, cater to your family. And I, I didn't want that. I didn't want to be, you know, needy and him having to worry about me all the time. But at the same time, there is that balance where, you know, you have to talk about those things and say, we need to make our family a priority as well. And so I think just like they say about anything, communication is just so important. You have to communicate through those times and, and really work together. Yeah. So let's move on to the stage that we're in now and the stage that we're going to face. we got just a couple minutes, so I have to be a little brief. But So we are now empty nesters. Mm-hmm. We've got grandkids, and we're headed towards, you know, those senior years. Mm-hmm. What? Well, you are. I am, yeah. Yeah, you're frozen in time <laughs> at 59 years of age. So, yeah, so we're going into that, and we're having those conversations because mm-hmm. we're, we saw our parents, mm-hmm. you know, and my dad's still going, but yep. he's he's struggling a little bit, you know. Yep. He's going to have 82 years, three years old, and he's going to have to have shoulder surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's tough. So um, what... What do you think ladies need from their husbands in this stage of life? Companionship and friendship. Yeah. I think that's really important. Time. I think time. time. Yeah. And I think you need to remember to enjoy each other and have fun together. And yeah, I think remember what made you choose each other at the beginning of your marriage and do those same things. So that you'll keep choosing each other. And then have your husband leave after two days and go away for four or five days again. Yes, I would highly recommend that to everyone. It's really good for a marriage. <laughs> it's great. It's the best time we've ever had in our lives. That's been, it's been tricky. It's been tricky. It's, it's been good. It's been good. Yes. Yeah. You've been awesome. You've Thank been awesome. You. I know Thank it's you. not being easy. 
Um, there are a lot more times you'd like to come, but you've committed to help our grandkids, and mm -hmm. you're not as you're not the same traveler I am. No, but you do love people. Mm -hmm. If you could just time warp to there and yes. spend time with people and time warp back, it'd be great. That would be perfect. It's just getting there and coming home. Mm -hmm. So I would say that what I need in these mm -hmm. days, I got my wife back. I got her back. And I'm going to enjoy um, those years that we kind of sacrificed for our kids and our, now our grandkids. And we're taking that time to do things. And here's what we've said. And because I had blood clots and almost died, and we watched mm -hmm. your dad go through cancer, mm -hmm. and your mom, you know, struggle through the last days, my mom with dementia, um, Alzheimer's, we've decided that if we want to do something, we're going to do it now. We're not going to wait till we're 65 or retired or whatever till right. we have the money. We're not going to be foolish. Right. But if we want to do something, we're going to do it now. Because I don't want to be that guy who says, well, when we're 65, I'm going to take a big trip. I turn 65, drop dead, and right. we right. miss out on that, right? Yeah, yeah. And just find, try to find joy in every day together. I think that's the thing. I think sometimes people think it has to be some big event that you find the joy in, like, oh, we're saving up for this huge trip, but... I think we have to get to the point where every day you can find little things that bring you joy in little things you do together. You know, going yeah. for a walk or yeah. go get breakfast at your favorite little breakfast spot. Little things. It doesn't have to be big, huge life events, but just little things that bring you joy. And, and you remember that one of the great things about marriage should be that you are married to your best friend. And if you can do that, I mean, I think you'll find joy in every day. Yeah. And I think as a man, I think I want my wife to know that I have every bit as much love and passion for her as I've always had, and maybe a little bit more, now that there's not the interference of kids and grandkids and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and I want you to know that when we go out for breakfast, I'm going to share my bacon with you. No way. Yeah, 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 but not the eggs. No way, they're as all mine. As I don't have to ever share my ice cream, we'll be okay. Yeah, we'll be okay. <laughs> I draw the line. Well, there. we've made it from dating to marriage to kids to almost death. Excellent. Whoa. Good job. Excellent. And could I say that I'd much rather look at you during this podcast than Dan Wolf. <laughs> you are way better looking than me. I know. Him. I don't have as good a laugh, though. I was going to try to replicate this, yeah, but, but yeah, I but, can't do it. Yeah, but when you're gorgeous, you don't need that laugh. <laughs> Well, we hope you've enjoyed this time. We've taken a little bit longer than normally do because I actually had somebody that could converse and you know say some things back that made sense. I didn't have to fight my way through the conversation. I love you, Dan and Denise. <laughs> I love you, Denise. <laughs> I love you too, Dan. Uh, what great friends. Yes, they are. Man, what awesome. a blessing. What a, and we have so many. Mm -hmm. We were just back to Cleveland Baptist Church for the 65th anniversary, and man, we just cry when we leave because we have so many friends yeah. and family there. Yeah. Oh, it's so it's, it's so awesome. hard to say goodbye. So, mm -hmm. congratulations to them on their 65th anniversary and the great job that's going on there. So, so from uh, Al Stone, Devil May Care, um, you know, pretty much stud muffin guy that caught the <laughs> attention of. Ruthie Thompson. It was his humility that really got me. Well, that my car. <laughs> that Volkswagen. That Volkswagen Rabbit. Really. I mean, you've never pushed a car that nice before. No. <laughs> and with me, as always, beside me in life and in this podcast. Ruthie Stone. Here we are. Hey, listen, we love to do marriage seminars. We love to uh, be able to help in any way we can. Ruthie is an incredible ladies speaker. And uh, if we can ever be a help to you and your church, we would love to help you in any way we can. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. This is Tim Talks, special edition, The Wife, not The Wives, The Wife. 
and I'm Al Stone. This is Ruthie Stone. This is The Tim Talks, and you're our friends. Thank you for listening today. Have a great day, eh? You've been listening to Tim Talks, taking interest in ministry, with new podcasts added each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. To learn more about your hosts, Dr. Al Stone and Pastor Dan Wolven, you can visit us at timtalks.com. That's T-I-I-M talks.com.